So this is going to be a great podcast. I want to introduce my friend, my bro, yeah. Jordan Acosta. Hey, happy to be here. Never been on a podcast before. This is exciting. I can't wait to see where this conversation goes. I've been friends with Simon since we were in high school, but we are still best friends. And yes. he invited me to be on this awesome podcast. I actually have so, no idea <laughs> what Jordan does or why he knows so much, but he knows a lot. Right. And that's why I want him on this show. Like, yeah. I, he just knows so much about comics and life and politics and literature. And wow, no talking to Jordan is always super interesting. And I just thought that he'd be a great guest to have on our podcast. So I'm glad you're here. You know, audience, we haven't been on in a while. So welcome mm. to season three. And season three. I'm sure the whole lot of you was trying to figure out, well, where did these guys go? Joey actually has a huge announcement and I'm not yep. going to spoil his thunder. I'm going to ha have him say why he was so busy this past year. I Thanks. I... I had to burden the podcast with uh, a one-year hiatus so that I could do my PhD in theology. I have been on the journey for five years up in, when we started this podcast, and, and I just had to take a break. I needed to focus on my dissertation, and happy to say that the pandemic forced me to finish this dissertation as soon as possible. I graduated Bye. literally like Friday. Yes. So, <laughs> wow. in theology, my study was on social justice and the theology of beauty as well as the Holy Spirit. So, I'm going to try to incorporate my dissertation in, into this podcast well, as much as I yes, can. You better. You better. Because Shamelessly. now we're official. <laughs> like, we're legit. Dr. Lee is hosting the show. So, so I'm expecting great yeah. things. Now I feel super <laughs> pressured here. Let's just yes. let's just talk about yes. the great. What, what's the topic today? Well, I'm sure many of you got a Disney Plus subscription and checked out Falcon and Winter Soldier. As always, we're going to be yep. talking about just pop yes. culture through a Christian lens. And all we're doing is we're Christians and we're watching TV shows and movies and trying to see what God's yep. saying to us, what, what we can learn from it. And I think we can learn from anyone, anywhere, especially from Jordan. So I'm, I'm going to pick his brain. So <laughs> I'll start by saying that the show is just amazing to me. Like the action, the storytelling, the character de development was awesome. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. The first question that I feel everybody asks is like, is it as good as mm -hmm. WandaVision? Yeah, I think it is. It's very different. WandaVision is very inward focused and very focused on like an individual and her internal stuff and falcon is very outward focused and thematic and connected to like you know current events and mm. you know so they're very different but i think they do what they each want to do equally well and also probably have a lot of the same weaknesses just because they're both part of the mcu and that comes with a certain amount of baggage yada 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 i don't think anyone's expecting mephisto to show up in falcon and the winter soldier but oh, they probably still thought like you know, is, is Cap going to yes. show up or is he, he is, on the by moon? The way. Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. there's still all those. I think your your, com your comparison of WandaVision and this show is interesting because they're, they're processing grief together, mm -hmm. right? Like Wanda is processing her grief over the loss of Vision and oh, yeah. Bucky, in my mind, is processing his loss of Steve. 
Mm-hmm. Well, actually, even Sam is processing his loss of Steve, Steve Rogers. Yeah. So I think those two shows are connected yeah. in that way. Yeah, grief. You know, we didn't know what to expect with WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier because this is a totally different transition from blockbuster movies. You know, we have it's now we can parse out character development. And I thought that was brilliant. Like, I loved every aspect of it. I did want to see, I guess, Mephisto or even, you know, Spider-Man. But you know what? Yeah. All okay. Right. That's enough. That's <laughs> but enough overall, me. story was phenomenal. <laughs> I I enjoyed it very much. And man, we'll probably talk about it. But like that last scene with Isaiah Bradley, that, oh, that kicked me in the gut. But so... Without further ado, let's just get into it. And Dr. Joey Allen Lee, why don't you bless our discussion by leading it first? You know, what is the main thing that you noticed? What did you get out of it? It's not too hard to see that they developed this show on the heels of Mm -hmm. racial issues in America, right? It's pretty obvious. And... In my eyes, it's not hard to watch the show try to process through like prejudice and racism and classism and all, all of that. And they do, I think they do a wonderful job about it. So for me, the, the central thing that stands out about the show is what is power? What is privilege? And what do we do with it? And all of the characters are wrestling with power and privilege in some way or another. Think about it, right? Like you can come up with examples of people who are wrestling with power and privilege. Clearly John Walker, he gets the shield and the uniform. And now he has all these expectations about what he's supposed to do with power and privilege. Uh, He doesn't consider it privilege. He considers it a, a job, but we can talk about it. I don't think it's right. a job. It's, a, it's supposed to be a call, you know, but this is the way I see it. In Spider-Man, it's always the, the line of with great power comes great responsibility, but they never want to say it because it's cliche, but essentially every superhero show or movie talks about power and privilege. And so let's just talk about Sam. Sam was given the shield which represents power of some sort, but he doesn't think it's that he's worthy of carrying that power. And and every Marvel hero is always trying to mm. prove that they're worthy, you know? Mm. And, and I just love how in six episodes, Sam tr- proves that he is worthy because he doesn't try to wield his power and privilege over others. He uses his power and privilege to help others and to serve them, you know, and he helps Bucky to process his grief and his identity issues so that he could also serve others too. I think this is going to come up often. Carly wants power. John Walker wants power. The politicians wield the power and privilege, all of it. So what do you guys think about this? uh, One of these, of this as a central topic, power and privilege. I think that's spot on. I, so you mentioned John Walker, right? The most interesting thing about John Walker is that he's not really like right. a, a villain in the sense that he's a bad person. He's not out with some grand plan to destroy the world or, or snap half the world away or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. He's not even really asking for the position he's been put in. It's just more like he expects to be given 
power because he is privileged. Mm. Like, he's not evil, yeah. he's just privileged, right? He's been privileged all his life, and they kind of send that message very clearly right from the start. Because, yeah. like, in the first scene, it's his it's his home t- hometown, his high school, mm-hmm. right? They're on a football field, classic Americana, red, white, and blue everywhere, brass band, right? He's in the locker room, right? Just, like, before a big game, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got his best friend and his wife there, and, like, it's sort of, he is the classic American hero that the military obviously wants, right? Yes. And, of course, blonde hair, blue-eyed, right? Like, that's the subtext of it, right? And, yeah, his his flaw is really that he's he's privileged. Or rather, you can almost see him as much of a victim of, of the system, right, as anyone yes. else, because he didn't choose to be privileged. It's just the society. Yeah. It's the way it works. Yeah. Uh, he's entitled. To, he's given he's a entitled. title. And he feels yes. entitled. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird to him that he wouldn't get it or that he wouldn't live up to it because that's literally has been his role his entire life. I forget the quote. I think it was James Baldwin. In one of his essays, he writes about how white people are just as entrapped by white supremacy as black people. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's easier for them because they get all the privilege. They get to live it up, right? But they are still put into a role that they cannot escape. They are the privileged member of society and like... If they don't want to be part of that role, if they don't want to be one of the oppressors or they don't want to live in a suburb with a white picket fence, the system will hammer them down just as much as it would anyone else. Yes. Because you're expected to fill the role. And you see that happen to him where he doesn't live up to the role, right? And they just kind of discard him by the end of the show, just just without a thought, because Mm. he's no longer useful to them. He's, in the end, he was deranged. He's in a blind rage, like he would kill people. But he's a victim of the system, just like you said. And I, I don't want to be like super controversial here, but when people have privilege, it's not like they, they're usually given this privilege from someone who, who like stole it, you know? Yeah. So let's say like a grandfather did some evil thing and now, now he's rich. Does that mean his kids are guilty for the, for their father's crimes? Are the grandchildren guilty for the grandfather's crimes? No. And in the same way, like the privilege that the fifth or eighth generation has, they didn't do anything wrong to get the privileges that they have. But at the same time, what are they using that privilege for? You know? And the crazy thing is that John Walker, he just, he actually said in that same interview on the football field, he said that he just wants people to feel safe, but he doesn't realize that it's only the rich Americans who he wants to feel safe. And I think that's very different. I think Steve Rogers wanted to protect anyone. He just doesn't like bullies, you know, no matter where they're from. So that's a big difference between John Walker and Steve Rogers. Yeah, I think I agree with Jordan. I like how you quoted James Baldwin there. And I really think that encapsulates John Walker's situation. I think that though he constantly was failing throughout the entire show and like he found it very, very difficult, very difficult to figure out why. And like, Honestly, the show never really answers that, you know, we're kind of seeing like we saw in the last episode, like this moment of redemption for him, like, oh, there's some good in him. But aside from that, I feel that I feel that there was a lot of blind spots that he couldn't tackle because Mm. 
because because mm. of this said privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like like he had this rose colored mm. lens of what society looked like for him, like the sis- the United States system. Like, you know, it it is the pinnacle of freedom and democracy. You know what I'm saying? And like if we just go to all these helpless other countries with these values, they'll just become better. You know what I'm saying? Without realizing, well, he does realize it when he talks to Lamar, like how much that costs by shedding blood. Right. But, but I don't know. Like he's, he's naive. He's definitely naive and he has those blind spots. And I think, I think that is definitely because he grew up with this sense of privilege, you know? I have an example of that. He was at that cafe with Lamar and Lamar asks him how, imagine how many lives we could have saved that day if we had that serum. Mm -hmm. The subtext is that the American soldiers would have saved American lives by killing a ton of enemy lives. Yeah. And they, they never processed whether it is right or wrong to kill enemies. As long as it's killing them, then it's okay to save, then, then it's okay. I've saved lives. I've saved our lives because our lives are more important than their lives, you know? Yeah. And that's the, he's blind to it. And I think a lot of people are blind to it, that as long as we're protecting our own, it doesn't matter how we mistreat yeah, that, other people. You mentioned this is about power and privilege, right? When they say, imagine what we could have done if we had the mm-hmm. serums. Like, if only we had more power. Yes. We could finally put in place the right order that would, mm-hmm. you know, that would keep people safe. We could finally create the yeah. society that would be like the correct society. Mm-hmm. I think that's always like the subjects behind those, those sort of yeah. things. And that's true for, I, I just love yeah, that you said that. Yeah. It's true for Carly too. She believes that if we had more serum, then we could do whatever, whatever. It's always this blank. If only we had blank, then we could accomplish yep. what we blank. You know, and it doesn't always work like that. Power doesn't have to come or ability or capacity or agency doesn't always have to come from outside. Some MacGuffin <laughs> that Simon would love to use, right? Like internal character and moral fortitude. To me, that's more powerful than whatever like external powers you can Absolutely. try to acquire. Um, I'll <laughs> reference a particular person in the Bible who basically encapsulates that i mean to a certain extent i i don't like this person but david david was that kind of figure because explicitly it says in first samuel that man looks god says to the prophet samuel man looks on the outside but i look into the heart you know and captain america first avenger epitomizes that with the dr erskine he says it doesn't matter it doesn't matter the external it only matters if you are yeah. a good person. I think it mm. resonates with what you're a good saying. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. There's the difference you've got people like US agent Carly Morgenthau, even Zemo, I guess. Like the thing is, even though they have different political outlooks, right? They all converge on like authoritarianism, right? Which is there's mm. the right order and it must be enforced, mm. right? Mm. And Zemo kind of yes. like, he doesn't think he's <laughs> yeah, doing that, yes. but he kind of is, yeah. right? Like, he's trying he totally to enforce is. a certain order. Yeah. And yeah, like, Captain America didn't yes. really have an order he wanted to put in place. 
he wanted to stop bullies, right? He wanted to stop things, and you can argue that that's limiting. He's he's always reactive, but the alternative, right, mm-hmm. to be proactive is to be like Iron Man, right, and to put a shield around the world and like yada yada yada, right? Create or the like perfect Fury, or like Fury, Fury, yeah, yeah, with the the three helicarriers, right? That would mm-hmm. like track that's right every super powered person on the planet, stopping <laughs> so. crime before it happens. Yeah, no. And Zemo is his ideology is totally misguided in my opinion he thinks that superpowers always lead to supremacy he thinks that when you have superpowers that makes you powerful but it's not Hmm. the the politicians are powerful Hmm. a misguided Hmm. teenager is powerful zemo (laughs) himself is a baron he has power like he busted out of jail (laughs) and he had a jet and a butler and a and he's like a puppeteer and you know like You don't have to be a superpower to be powerful. And he doesn't, he's blind, just like uh, John Walker. He's blind to his own, like, he's, I think it's a form of self-deception. He thinks that the problem is them, but he never looks inside to look at himself. Uh, uh, He's part of the problem too. Yeah. Sam, Sam does stand out throughout the series. They make a point of portraying him in this way everyone else does have a very us versus them mentality, mm. right? There's the good guys and the bad guys. And Sam yeah. just doesn't do that, which is really his main point of conflict with all of them at some point or another through the series, right? Like he's arguing with Carly about how she, mm. she's like, are you with us or are you th- with them? And he's like, dude, I'm with, I'm with all of you, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want anybody to die, right? I don't want anybody to get hurt. And he has like a similar confrontation at some point, right? With US agent and with Simo. Right. So that's an interesting yeah. point that, yeah, like it's us versus them for all of them. And the thing that sets him apart is he doesn't think that way. And it's tough for him to do that. You can tell, like, it's hard to do that, especially towards the end, where it's easy for him to want to walk away because how do you resolve mm-hmm. an us versus them mindset? It's so difficult. When somebody's like, when someone sees the world that way, right? When they have their tribe and their yeah. tribal identity, it's so difficult to break through that. It's so ironic because. The flag smashers, they want unification without borders, which sounds great. They want unity. What's wrong with unity, right? They say their motto is one world, one people. They're called Robin Hoods, but Mm. it's weird. It's even though they say they want unity, it's still us versus them. It's it's one world for the red people, right? It's, it's, It's one world for the proletariat, right? And then they have to decide who's in the proletariat the, and who isn't. For the dumb and people, gets... what does proletariat mean? The workers. <laughs> like the, the workers, right? Like they have like, they're looking up at the powerful and saying, well, we want one world. And in order to have unity, yeah. we have to remove yeah. the bad guys. And they are the bad mm-hmm. guys. They have, yes. they have to go in order for the world to be unified, mm-hmm. right? Again, same as, as Zemo, like the superheroes, they have to go in order for yeah. everything to be the way it should be. Or... U.S. agent. It's like, ah, oh, no, these these guys, we have they have to go. The slag smashers, yes. right? In order for people to feel safe, right? Like there's right. there's no mm-hmm. there's no resolution of the conflict. There's just ending yeah. the conflict. And it's the politicians. The they they say mm-hmm. that these people are terrorists yeah. uh, or the the refugees, the they're thugs. Like yeah. that they displaced us, so we have to. Yeah. They have them to go. Out. Yeah. You know, yeah. a quick thought. The character of Sam Wilson is a perfect example of what Jesus says a peacemaker is in in the Beatitudes, mm, you know, yeah. and what is a peacemaker? I think 
Sam epitomizes that narratively in a superb way where like he knows that he's he knows that all these individuals are like thinking I'm the enemy I'm the villain it's us versus them he's trying to break that he's tr- he's his rhetoric his care because let's not forget his his thing mm. how we were introduced of Sam was that the veterans group center you know he his even mm. though he was a soldier he was a healer you know and he was willing mm. to go above and not just listen to his instincts like that human drive for tribalism he 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 almost denied that so that he could mm. see the humanity of Carly. He was willing to work with Baron Zemo. He was willing willing to work with everyone and anyone, you know. And yeah, and it's not black and white. It's not clear. There's no formula for peacemaking. Peacemaking is a struggle. And sometimes, sadly, there's no happy ending, you know. Like, for example, Carly died. And that was that, you know, your heart breaks Mm -hmm. for that, you know, and but yeah, like, nevertheless, like, Sam's character, I think represents what a peacemaker should be, you know, so. That's yeah. that's an interesting point because so usually right in in a drama it's about you know your protagonist has a goal and they either succeed or they fail right and if mm. they succeed it's a comedy if they fail it's a tragedy right that's basically the classic Shakespearean structure right and there's an argument to be made that like Sam actually fails in this show right his his goal pretty much consistently mm. throughout the entire series is to s- kind of save Carly like he's not even just trying yeah. to stop her obviously they all want to stop her right he's trying to like wow. save her he thinks she can be redeemed. Right. He thinks everybody, because he brings it up, right? Everybody has the potential, right, to make a decision and change right. their course of yeah. action, right? And it is, that's, I think, like when he comes down with the wings, right? And it's all <laughs> symbolism, right? It's like that's sort of the conclusion of that arc is like, well, he, he failed. It's a tragedy. Like that's what this, this show is for him, at least. It's a tragedy. Like, yes, he, he becomes who he should be in that sense. It's the conclusion is reached. Right? He becomes the person, not the person he wanted to be, and he doesn't achieve what he wanted to achieve, mm. but he becomes the person he needs to be, right? Yeah. Um, For the next fight. Yeah, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, because it would have been super saccharine right. if it had a happy ending. They, I think they needed the sad ending so that he could give that speech, because that speech was like very sad, <laughs> you know, like a Saturday morning special, like, <laughs> right? like talking Ooh, to the politicians. You know, yeah. And in the context... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and in the context I think it works really well, but like they had to do a lot of work to set up that moment right. so that he could say yeah. what he said. So Well, you know, somebody on YouTube, I forget which channel it was, they said that the the Wilson boat represents America held by duct tape and prayers. And I I didn't realize it. I I didn't realize that the boat symbolized our nation, you know, like the, we grew up here this is our history. Wow. It's falling apart. Like it, it takes more energy to keep it together than to just get rid of it, you know? Yeah. But near the end, Sarah, his Sam's sister, she was about to let it go, but she realized she, she, she couldn't let it go. Like, this is her home. This is her history. And Sam says this, he's like, we have to try. I'm not going to always succeed but I'm going to fight for it. 
you know? And I, I didn't realize that, that Sam is a tragedy because he failed, but he knew that he would fail. Wow. And he knew that even if he did fail, it, it doesn't mean that he would stop fighting for it. He would have to stand up and keep fighting for it. And dude, isn't that what Steve Rogers did when he was faced against the hordes of Thanos? You know, like he was all by himself. Like, you know, he would lose, but he just tightened up the shield. He picked up the hammer and he's like, let's go. And that's exactly what we need in a superhero, a person who won't give up, give up on us. That's a great point. Steve Rogers is... Yeah. Really a very tragic figure, isn't he? <laughs> right? For the very first movie, even when he succeeds, it comes at some sort of cost, right? Because like, yeah, he stops that that plane, right? And then gets frozen in the ice mm. and now he's a man out of time. And yeah, he's like a very tragic figure if you think about it. And so, yeah, maybe it makes sense that they had to thematically. Mm. That's a figure that we know, we know that because he's trying to do the impossible, right? He's He's a symbol of what America could be. And those sort of ideals, you can never really accomplish an ideal. You can never really, the world can never be perfect, right? And so it's essentially tragic, but you have to keep trying because that's the only way things even get a little bit better, right? Is to yeah. believe, is to believe that they can be better. Right. I didn't even realize the boat it's, was meant to be a symbol. And now that you've said it, hashtag, right? <laughs> it's like it's there in front of your face, and when right. you finally realize it, it's so deep and meaningful. Yeah, that's like Moby Dick level of literary <laughs> storytelling. Well, we talk about symbols a lot, and I know that Simon, you had a central issue when I talk hmm. about with symbolism so, in this yeah, show. Yeah, so it all centered around the shield, Cap's shield. Cap's shield functions in the story as a symbol. And what do I mean by symbol? So it is basically when you see Cap's shield, it's not just simply a shield. There's a story behind it. There's Steve Rogers' story behind it. But there's also the nation's history behind it. But also, yeah. there's the yeah. mythology of the nation behind it. And mm. so, that's basically what I mean. So, when you mm. see that, you might not get the entire story, but you're getting the idea of Steve, America's history and yep. America's mythology. And mm-hmm. so, so in a way, it's, yeah, it's a representation of the abstract. It's the subjective. That's how symbol, I think, functions. In Christian terms, uh, at least when you're talking about sacraments, um, sacraments are yes. a visible yes. sign of an invisible grace. And so if you talk about symbolism, it's a visible representation of an invisible right. reality. And that's what you're talking about. Like the shield represents a flag and the flag represents the country and the country represents the good guys. And to me, yes. like that that's shield right. represents different that's things right. to different people. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's so the, the, the crux of the issue. If I could categorize it, what you just shared, Joey, is basically the mythology of the shield has both negative and positive. And there's people who've experienced the negative. For example, Carly Morgenthau. Isaiah Bradley, they experienced the negative mythology of the shield, but there is also those who see it positively and also experience the positive of the shield, like John Walker, Bucky Barnes, Sam Wilson, you know? And so all of this is a physical representation of the invisible. So then let me throw it out there to you. What do you guys think? Whose perspective of the shield's is correct what's the superior or the primary interpretation of the shield 
Well, I mean, I don't think there is one, right? The whole point mm-hmm. of it is it's. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, Northrop Fry, who's a, a literary I, theorist. I got a book because I mean, I probably you mentioned you. But when he talks about symbols, he he refers to what is it? A centripetal and centrifugal movement. So centrifugal mm-hmm. being outward, centripetal being inward. And a symbol is a sign. It's a pointer, right? And so that means it it's a pointer to something, and it can either point outward to something in the real world. Yeah. or inward to something internal to the structure mm. of the story, mm. right? The interesting thing about Captain America's shield is it actually very powerfully does both of those things at the same time, which I think is yeah. kind of atypical, right? It points inward to Captain America and his narrative, right? Within the structure of the drama, it also equally points outward to everything we think about the United States of America, right? And it subsumes all of american history and and carries and now it's what's the the fancy term freighted with with meaning and purpose right like it's the thing that like it's just a shield it's a pretty good weapon (laughs) but like it's it's presence Mm -hmm. on the screen is just so magnetic it's hard not to look at it right and it and it behaves in magical ways Mm -hmm. even though this isn't supposed to be a magical object (laughs) yeah but no one complains about it because (laughs) us as the audience well because us as the audience to us To us, it is magical, right? It's essentially yeah. a magical object. It's just like, you know, the, the sword Excalibur or something, right? But it does things it shouldn't do. Yeah. And and we just kind of let it slide because we see it as containing all this power, right? This 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 symbolic power, right? Anyway, that was a very long-winded answer, Joey, too. I like it. I think they're all equally valid because that's kind of the point, right? Like, because it is encompassing all of American right, history right. and the way we think about it. It has to mean all of those things all together at the same time. time, And then that's the thing that Sam has to grapple with is all of it, the totality of it, the legacy of Captain America and the good he did and Mm -hmm. what he stood for, Isaiah's experiences, right? The effect that the United States has on the rest of the world through Carly, right? Like you can't ignore any of it. To, to ignore any of it would be to sort of tell yourself a, a false narrative. And Sam says this at the beginning of his, at his speech. He says, symbols are nothing without the women and men who give them meaning. And kind of what you're saying, the symbol means what you want it to mean. You, you fill it with meaning. And his advice to Bucky, you know, when they're playing shield catch, <laughs> frisbee catch, uh, he said to Bucky, you got to stop looking to other people to tell you who you are. You are. Yeah. And he's actually taking his own medicine. He's taking it, uh, his own advice. He's mm-hmm. not trying to live up to the meaning of this, of the shield that Steve Rogers made. He's going to fill it up with, he's going to fill it with meaning of his own. He's not going to tell, he's not going to let Isaiah Bradley tell him how to be. He's not going to let America tell him how to be or his sister or Carly, right? Like he will fill the the shield with new meanings. Yeah. And I, I'm very excited for that. That, for that is such a great catch that he was, yeah, wow. that he was talking oh, about himself yeah. as much as he was about Bucky. Like, Jeez. I didn't even really get that now that you mentioned him. Like, yeah, of course. Because, yeah. <laughs> He's going to pick up the shield and he's going to give it his meaning. He's going to give it his meaning by the stories that he will tell with it, right? The same way that Captain America told his story with the shield. And it will become, his life will become part of the story of it, right? And that's how you push back. If there's, there's parts of the American story, right, that trouble you, like, what do you do, right? You either just walk away from it. And if you don't want to walk away from it, like he doesn't want to wake, walk away from the boat, right? <laughs> if you don't want to walk away from it, then you have to grapple with it. And uh, yeah, he basically tells wow. himself to do that, doesn't he? 
through by talking so, to Bucky. That's yeah, that's that's sharp. I love this commentary like because basically you guys are setting up okay, so mm-hmm. this is incarnation. This idea is incarnation. So in the story itself, you have this shield that is this abstract, invisible idea that complex as it is, yes, but there was also the shield bearer. So Sam represents yeah. the human the human person who submits to the ideal. And Jesus in essence, did that. That's exactly what it is. So, so during the time of Jesus, there was the whole idea of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that ideal that was supposed to be established on earth, you know? And what happened was Jesus comes into the picture and fully encapsulates that. He, he's fully represented of that, you know? And, and so for yeah. me, this, Shield shield bearer dynamic is basically, I think, of how I understand in, incarnation, where you have the abstract invisible and going back to Christian terms, the kingdom of heaven, God himself connected with creation, with a human historical figure who is Jesus, you know, and you have that perfect fusing of these two things where the uh invisible is fully aligned with the visible you know i'm glad you brought up this whole idea of incarnation because for me jesus is not just a human being he's the true human being jesus represents what we are all meant to be like you know so he's perfection he's the 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 telos, right? The goal that we're supposed to aim towards to be like. And of course we can't live up to G- being like Jesus. No one can be godly like that. But just because, okay, I'm drawing on this old saint named Gregory of Nyssa. And he says that the one limit of perfection hmm. is that it has no limit, right? You can, because of God's infinity, you could progress towards God for forever and never reach God, you know? But does that mean that we should quit? Do we just give up, like, and not try to be virtuous and not try to be perfect? He says, no. He says that as long as you're aiming for perfection, that is you being perfected by God, you know? And and that's enough for a human being. So as long as you're trying to be like Christ, that is the Christification of us. We are becoming like Christ, and that is all that God expects of us. And I think Sam, right. Sam can never be like Steve, and Steve could never be like what the shield is supposed to be. You know, it's a it's a moving target. As the closer you get to it, the further it recedes away from you. Right. So Sam doesn't even try to be like Steve. He's just going to try to be the best man he can be, and and do his best. And he know he's fail. He will fail, but he's gonna keep trying no matter how many times he fails. And that's what I think Christian discipleship I totally should be agree. about. And I think that's why John Walker failed miserably. Right? He wanted to be Steve. He wanted to be Steve. Like he wanted to be the carbon copy of Steve. 
right? Sam, on the other hand, knows or knew he's not like Steve. And I think the whole, the whole racial dynamic is so mm. key to that storytelling. Whereas it's like, mm. and Isaiah Bradley said it, they're like, America's never going to accept a black Captain America, right? And, and for, and for yeah. Sam, he's coming from that presupposition. It's just like, I'm never going to be a carbon copy of Steve. Racially, I'm never going to be a carbon copy of Steve. Yeah. So I think that was part of his reluctance, you know, of taking the shield and, and instead, instead of taking the shield, he just gave yeah. it up. You know what I'm saying? I think that was part of it. And, yeah. and that, but he rose to the occasion and he says, you know what? I'm not supposed to be Steve. I'm mm -hmm. Sam. And, and that's exactly it. Yeah. You, you nailed it. That is discipleship. He's not demanding us to be carbon copies of him. What he's asking us is be Simon, be Joey, be Jordan, and simply reflect who I am in your life. You are Simon walking with Jesus. You are Joey walking with Jesus. You are Lisa walking with Jesus, whoever it may be. The fascinating thing is that externally, John Walker is identical to Steve Rogers. He looks like him, blonde hair, blue eyes, super buff and a soldier. But internally, John Walker is like so different, like opposite to who what Steve Rogers represented. But internally, Sam was kin, was very like Steve if not externally. Walk so I, I didn't realize it, but it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's like a chiasm, you know, if you're right. If you know so, what um, he has this personal knowledge of who Steve is. It's like, it's like what the disciple, it's such a cliche evangelical thing to say behind the pulpit, but like he walked with him for three years. So, you know, it's just like, anyways, but he literally did. He, he fought with uh, Steve and, and he got blipped, you know, and all that. But he was with Steve all the time. And yeah. he knew that. And there was this kind of kenosis of Steve to Sam, you know, and that. But what we see is he takes on the mantle with who he is instead of being carbon copy of Sam. So that all to say there's this ideal of of Steve Rogers carrying the shield had many different responses. We had the victimized to that response with Isaiah Bradley. You know, we had those that were cynical. I would say Sharon Carter, who's like, do you really believe in that, you know, in that crap? Mm. You know, even also <laughs> the G... Right. Okay, cool. Even the GRC was cynical. You know, they, they, treated, they treated the shield more like a prop to uh legitimate their authoritarianism rather than rather than really understanding the right. power behind it and then there was those that were completely rejected it, like Carly Morgenthau and Baron Zemo Sam was the only one who reluctantly trusted it you know yeah maybe bucky but i think that's what makes Sam such the ideal candidate to be the shield bearer after Steve. It's very heavy upon a person's shoulders when they carried it. And only Sam succeeded in doing so. So whoever is going to be the yeah. next one, they realized like, no, this yeah. is too much for me. This is absolutely too much for me. And that's 
another aspect yeah. of Sam's reluctance, you know, and but he still trusted mm. it. I think it was that trust that and that reluctance that basically made him the right person for mm -hmm. the job. Yeah. Worthiness. Right. That's right. Worthy. Yeah. I, I like what Sam said was that the only power he has is that he believes we can do better. Mm -hmm. I think that's all you can do, man. Like, and who can claim to be perfect? All I can claim to is that we can all be yeah. better, you know? Yeah. It's interesting because when you say he has to pick up the, the burden of the shield, it's not a thing to be carried lightly, which is like a theme with, with legendary weapons mm. throughout literature. For example, like uh, Arthur doesn't own Excalibur. It was given to him. It was bestowed to him. And at some point, he's going to have to give it back to the source. And that's kind of the case with the shield. Like it was given to him and it's not really a gift. It's a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like people either accept it or they reject mm -hmm. it, but he doesn't really do either. Yes. In a sense, it is like he's engaging in a dialogue with the shield, right? Like he's, he's carrying it with him in this bag right, to different places, talking to like Isaiah and stuff. And he's sitting there looking at it and he's all like, you, <laughs> we, we got a lot to talk about you and me, right? <laughs> And then he has like his whole training montage, which in a way is him and the shield, like, you know, yes. out their differences. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, like he, he has to yes. struggle with it. Like he's like, mm -hmm. he's like trying to learn how to catch it without breaking his hands. It almost take off yeah. his head. Yeah. He has to work at it. It's just like with him and Bucky, but that's what you do yes. when you engage with a tradition of any kind, right? Whether it's political or religious or, or yeah. just social, like right? It. Yeah. yeah, it made me think about how like a lot of people reject the Christian faith because of how it was represented, how it was delivered to them mm -hmm. through the church. And rightly so, because the church uh, has been so bad in many ways, toxic and abusive and manipulative and and all that. Right. Mm -hmm. But does that mean that the, the faith itself is wrong or impure or defiled? No, it's the institution that sullied it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we have to wrestle with the, the faith in Jesus Christ without, like, the institutions, like, uh, polluting it, you know? We have to meet Jesus, honestly. Like, forget what the church has done to you. Forget what America has imbued on the shield. What, forget how John Walker carries the shield. Carry the shield yourself, and you work it out. You you carry it. You deal with it. You wrestle with it. And uh, somehow I conflated encountering Jesus with carrying the shield. But so, I, I think you guys know so what I'm trying to my, say. Right. I think, Jordan, you nailed it with what you were saying about the struggle. And that's what made Sam different than John Walker. John didn't struggle with it. As a matter of fact, he had his own right. view of it. His, his like... I know exactly what the shield is. And if there was any difference or delineation, it's like, oh, what the crap? What's going on? And how the heck do I? Yeah. yeah. And I, I have every, exactly. I have every right exactly. to it, right? Yeah. I am Captain America. Right? Like, <laughs> John you know. Walker, this shield is, his yoke is yeah. easy and his burden is light. Mm. Carrying the shield yeah. is no problem for him. So, John Walker, right? You mentioned earlier, like externally, John Walker is just like Steve. And physically, that's true, at least after mm. Steve got the serum, right? But Ooh, a really key yeah. difference, which they highlight, I think, in like episode two, is that 
actually, John Walker is, I mean, he looks like he's right. exactly like Steve, but he's really not at all. And I don't just mean like internally, like ethically. John Walker has been that guy his whole life. The, the, the captain of the football team, mm-hmm. right? I hope that's the word. I don't know anything about football. You know, the best soldier. Mm-hmm. If you remember in the first Captain America movie, they have all those soldiers and there's that general yeah. played by Tommy Lee Jones. And he's trying to find the best soldier. Right. And he just immediately dismisses Steve because like, look at this skinny little, you know, twig. And John Walker is right. the guy that right. he was looking for, right? Mm-hmm. The best soldier, the guy yeah. who trained, right? Who deserves it. And Steve, like when he got the shield, when he became Captain America, he didn't deserve it. It was just given to him, right? And he didn't, like, he wasn't really a trained soldier. He didn't have years of military experience. He wasn't Captain America because he, like, deserved to be Captain America, right? It was gifted to him. And it was a burden that he carried that he felt responsible for, right, as a symbol. And you could see that, too, in the first movie, I think. Yeah. Uh, they have him doing the USO tours. And he's just like, man, uh, what a star smuggled man with a plan, right? Doing mm-hmm. his little his little show with, and they show him after one of those shows, like sitting there drawing what a picture of himself as a monkey on a on yeah. a unicycle with an umbrella, like he realized that he'd been given this gift and he was just wasting it, right? And he needed to do something to 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 use it, you know. It was his responsibility, and Walker right. didn't have that. Walker felt like this is something he deserved, and he was just going to keep doing, being himself, and doing what he did. So that's a key difference. I think it comes up yeah. in episode two because they mention like him. What you ever jumped on a grenade? And in yeah. that first movie, Steve Rogers jumps on a grenade that he thinks right. is a real grenade, and he is going to die. He legit that he legitimately thinks he's going to die right there, and he does it. John Walker, yeah, he's jumped on grenades. He's like, yeah, yeah. I, I put my helmet over it, and then the helmet yeah. protects me. It's the whole thing. And that right there is the difference. Like, John Walker is not actually putting his life on the line there, right? He, yeah. He's an expert. He's got it totally under control, yeah. totally and handled. That's a completely different So thing. this is why I feel that the John Walker story arc, he misses the mark of the shield. He feels entitled to it. He feels that he deserves it because he worked hard for it, whatever that may be. And so then he's like, ah, now I have it. I am the perfect candidate for it. And but he constantly failed every episode. He constantly failed. And then to the point that the cost of his failure was the loss of his best friend, Lamar. Right. And then he becomes this crazy monster. So what yeah. is that when we have this ideal that we look up to, you know, and it governs our life and we constantly fail over, 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 over and again. We view the ideal as something that mocks us. It's just like, it's like this idea, like when I see the ideal and I, I could never measure up to it. I could never fit the mold. It's now I perceive the ideal as someone who mocks me, someone who exposes my failures, like a mirror looking at me. I look through the mirror of the ideal and all I see is just warts and all that, right? And what we see is after Lamar dies and he goes through the tribunal, that's when he finally, he goes crazy before by killing that person. But like, he just, you know... (laughs) What we see is another response to the ideal or or the shield is resentment. We see he resents the shield now. And what happens when he resents it? He makes his own shield. And John Walker's story is the story of idolatry. That's, that's, 
basically what I see in that arc is that that constant failure over and over again is so pressing and so burdensome because now I see it through the ideal myself and I'm just like, I hate myself. This is ugly. This is like, so what am I going to do? I'm going to make another mirror while I look like the hero. I'm going to create a shield that forms to my understanding of it and forms to how I see the world instead of actually genuinely struggling with it like Sam did. And so he makes his own shield and he basically says, ah, this is the ideal that really fits me. And the other ideal is false or the other ideal is wrong or, but the truth of it is I didn't really understand the true ideal to begin with, you know? And so instead of struggling with it, I make my own, I make my own shield. I mean, Failure is, is yes. how you that's right. learn, right? Like that's that's the important thing is is continual failure is how you grow and become better. You you don't get better by by being better. <laughs> you become better than right by failing. Um failing at something that you're not able to do and then learning from it. It's it's notable yeah. that yeah, John Walker doesn't learn from his failure. He just insists, I am Captain America, this the story that this is the story that my life is supposed to be. And so he just keeps, he kind of like powers through it, right? He's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm just going to keep being Captain America. I don't care what the government yes. says. Mm-hmm. You can right. take the shield. I'll make my own shield, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because yeah. I'm Captain America. Like, yeah, he's just kind of yeah. now at that point, he's delusional. Like, he's just refusing to accept that he failed. He says, yeah. I didn't fail. I did exactly everything you told me to do. This was the mission, right? I am Captain America. That's a, it's a really interesting moment because, yeah, he, yeah. His, his real tragedy is that he is mm. incapable of learning, incapable of growth, mm. yes. right? Whereas Sam fails continually. But by the end of the series, he's showing up in this awesome costume. <laughs> he's got the shield and the wings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he fails, he learns, yeah. he gets better. And he just keeps getting better. Like, this this is a guy who used to just be, like, he was a military counselor, and that was his job. And through the story of these moving and stuff, right, he has turned into a superhero, right? And that's what failure right. does for you right that's what failure does for you and it, without the advantage either right like he becomes a superhero in his own right fighting like enhanced individuals but he himself has no enha- enhancements besides the wings and, yeah. and now he has vibranium wings which is nice yeah but but yeah he has a train for it right and i think it's really interesting that you're talking about john walker's kind of psychosis i like that conversation that he had with lamar at that cafe, Lamar says, power just makes a person more of themselves, right? Mm. I think I'll have to ask you guys, but but I think I agree. Power augments what you already are on the inside. And what we can tell is that on the inside, John Walker is a messed up dude. Uh, mm. <laughs> so the problem is that he doesn't have a good assessment of himself. Yeah. He he. Th- thinks too lowly of himself at the beginning of the movie because he's like, oh, I can't believe just a a guy like me got to get the shield. So he's putting himself down. And then the Good Morning America hostess, she's like, oh no, like she builds him back up. You know, I think he's probably had people doing that for him his entire life, you know? Yeah. Go ahead. So he, he humble brags and then he has people exalt him, but just like Bucky, he looks to other people to tell him what he's worth, who he is, 
and what he's meant to do. And he thinks he's a good guy because they tell him he's a good guy, but really he's not the good guy. Well, it's he doesn't see himself. Narrative. He doesn't see himself as the good guy and he has to compensate for that. Ooh, wow. Yeah. I didn't... Cause he says that right early on. Like he's like, ah, am I, am I ready for this? Right. Like maybe he yeah. doesn't see, he's like, oh, the things we had to do. Like he doesn't see himself That's as true. a good guy. Yeah. He committed all those atrocities in Afghanistan and they gave him three medals for it to like kind of soothe his conscience. But he mm. knows that he did horrible things. Yeah. But he's playing the role that mm. he was assigned to play and yes. he does it well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he says yeah. that, right? Like I did what you told me to do and I did it well. Right. right. And he did. He did. He did yeah. what they told him to do and he did it well. That was the deal. Mm. That's and the deal of privilege. He played by the rules of the game that was set up for him. And here's the difference is that when, when Fury told Steve Rogers to do something that was wrong, Steve Rogers right. didn't do it. He didn't follow yeah. orders. Good soldiers are supposed to follow orders. That's why Nazi soldiers went ahead and killed Jews during the Holocaust. They were just following yeah. orders. But the thing is that we have to do what we think is right. And sometimes doing what is right is against the orders of those above us. Yeah, I yeah, keep. I, so this reminds me of Civil War, right? Where you know, the Iron Man versus Captain America, and Iron Man's the trying Sokovia, to get him to sign yeah. the uh, what was it called, the Sokovia Accords or something. Yeah. And Steve Rogers says, "Like, I know, I know, we messed up, but at the end of the day, hmm. the safest hands are still are, are still our own." And at, at the time when I watched that, I thought that was kind of a ridiculous thing to say. I felt like, hey, like these people have superpowers. They probably should sign these accords. I feel, I feel like that's a good idea. So um, you were Team Tony, huh? I was I was more Team Stark. Yeah, like I don't know how you. I don't I don't want superheroes showing up and blowing up my my neighborhood without accountability, right? Yeah, but impunity. Yeah, but it also says like, well, I can I have the privilege of feeling that way because I live in the United States of America, hmm. where other governments don't get to show up and do that to my neighborhood without accountability but if i live somewhere else the avengers would be just one a more powerful group of people right if i lived in afghanistan or palestine you know it would just be well i mean just add them add them to the big pile of powerful international entities that are blowing up my neighborhood today right and in retrospect i feel like maybe i have more empathy for that position like at the end of the day, the safest hands are, are, yes. are still your own. Like, you need to be responsible for your own actions. You can't just take orders. And by signing those accords, he would be legally mm-hmm. obligated to take those orders. Without even regardless considering of what right were, or wrong of right? it. Yeah. And he can't do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which isn't... It, and I guess it makes sense now. It's kind of obvious in retrospect. In the very first movie, he self-actualizes as Captain America wow. for the first time by disobeying orders. He leaves the USO show yeah. and he goes mm. and he rescues the prisoners from the, 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 mm. the camp. The raft. Yeah, against orders. He just goes and does it. And that's how he first becomes Captain America, right? So it kind of makes sense that, yeah, he's basically spent his life just doing what he thought was right, regardless of whether <clears> the authorities yeah. told him to do it or told him not to. And check it out. Like, John Walker is an extension like an undiluted extension in the U.S. government. That's how he was able to track Red Wing. Yeah. Uh, that's how he was able to, you know, cut short the, the therapy session, right? Like what John Walker does is what the government would do, you know? Yeah. But with Steve, right. there, it wasn't that tight. Like right. yeah. there's the government, there's me. Sometimes I do what the government wants me to do if it's right. If the government wants me to do something wrong, I'm going to do something else. And I mm-hmm. think that's, the ideal of what Steve Rogers represents to me. <laughs> he's the best American because he's yeah. 
anti-American sometimes. <laughs> and let me yeah. bring in a Star Wars example. Ahsoka is the true mm. Jedi, even though she was kicked out no, of the no, Jedi think- Order. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's spot on. And I think in essence, you know, going back to your whole dissertation, Joey, you know, you talked about social justice, the theology of beauty or aesthetics, and then also the Holy Spirit. I think in essence, that was like God's plan all along, where this concept from the old prophets were like, instead of laws written on stone, I'm going to write my law onto your heart. I'm going to internalize it for you. And then we see it in the Christian faith tradition, Pentecost, where there is the indwelling within each individual, the Holy Spirit, so they can do and take responsibility, go and do the right thing and not rely on something external because it's within them. There's a subtext of, I think, yeah, the the law. And I'm going to say like capital mm-hmm. L law as in the concept of law, right? There's a subtext of that throughout the, the series, isn't there? The idea is like who, what is the law right. and who gets to decide what it is basically, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you, the poet W.H. Auden has a poem called The Hidden Law, which I'm not going to recite here, but look it up. And oh, it's, okay. it's basically exactly what you just outlined though, which is people associate the law that is right and wrong, right? With different things. What is it? Is it the law of the state? Is it the law of a religion? Mm. Is it your own conscience? Is it the social good? Right? What is the law? Right? You should all go read it. It's very, it's a very good poem, and you can see what Auden's answer was. But, but that's a subtext, isn't it? Like, what is the law? Because, like, the, the yeah, what is yeah. the G G R C Global Repatriation Council yeah. is they're setting the law mm. and enforcing it, and a lot of people disagree with it, and they they're mm-hmm. choosing their own law, right? And yeah. so is Sam. But he's trying to thread a needle because he also recognizes that doing what somebody like Carly Morgenthau does or Zemo, we're literally just taking the law into their own hands, right? Like yes. deciding, I, I will decide it because I think society is wrong, right? Whereas like U.S. agent, yeah, like, like you said, Joe, he's an undiluted extension of the U.S. government. That's a really good turn of phrase. He's an yeah, he, instrument he, of the he, government. An instrument, yeah. He's part of a power structure and he has no identity outside of it. Like he, when they take away the shield, and worse yet, give him a less than honorable God, what's the term? Discharge. Uh, discharge from the military. That's probably the worst right. of it. Not just taking the shield, but like kicking him out of the military. Because who is he outside? And of no that? pension it's, either. What is he no going to do? No pension. Yeah. Oh my. That was the worst part. That felt like petty. <laughs> like, man, all this <laughs> stuff this guy did for you. You can't even just let him have his pension. Just like there would be people who would be mad that he yes. he did what he did and still gets paid by the government. Yes. You know? It's yeah, understandable. No, and and it's it's understandable yes. because they care more about the optics yes. than about him. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. he's not even a person, he's an instrument, like you said, yeah. Yeah. And but yeah, he has no identity outside of it. So you've got people who who have set themselves outside of the law, right? And yeah. created their own. And then you have like US agent who embodies it. He's almost, he's like Judge Dredd, isn't he? He is the law. And he's nothing. He's 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 nothing outside of the system that that gave him yeah. the position that he's in. And Sam is trying so hard to navigate, to thread this yeah. needle between an unjust system and complete anarchy, right? Wow. And right, right. Where do you, how do you Jeez. build a society, a just yeah. society? Well, Sam, and the answer is like, no one person can do it. 
Exactly. You need to be a peacemaker, like you guys said. You need to be somebody who brings people together. Well, at the end, Sam challenges the politicians. He's like, who is in the room when you're making the decisions? Is it Mm -hmm. people who are going to be impacted by Mm -hmm. these policies, or is it just more people like you? So you're you're spot on, Jordan, that like Sam's trying to say that we all have to be at the table. Like nobody should have the the greater power, right? Power should be shared. That's the only way that things can be fair. And let me add one more like example of people who are are taking the law into their own hands. It's the Dora Milaje, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Right? That was such an amazing battle, right? Nobody nobody has talked about that on the internet, but I do kind of feel feel like I had to point at some point. They kind of just show up yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Aren't they doing the same thing that you're they saying? are? Like, they're just showing up and being <laughs> yeah. like, "Yeah, we're gonna do whatever we want." The <laughs> Dora we... Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje find themselves to be. I, I get it, and we like <laughs> slide because they're hot, but and they have the cool spears and stuff, and it's awesome. But I do think it's worth pointing out that the Dora Milaje are also another party in the show, right? Who have their own, hmm. their own political point of view, their own law, right? That, yes. And they have their, their us versus them. And they also come into conflict with, with Sam in a similar way, right? Which is mm-hmm. notable. Mm-hmm. Good guys, bad guys, right? Villains, heroes, governments, you know, non-governmental organizations. They're all represented mm. yes. by some character, by somebody, right? And yeah. Sam runs into them at some point. And has the exact so I'm same glad that you brought that up, one, Jordan, because right? before we so. started recording, you were mentioning how these characters represent these political ideas. And I, we thought that was really interesting. I want you to expound on that more now, because I think this is a perfect time to do it. Yeah, I just I felt like in the show, every character is given a very well-defined political point of view, which you don't mm. typically see in a show. So it had to have been intentional. They must have sat down and thought, we're going to Zemo, right? Carly, US agent. They kind of go out of their way to give them an opportunity to state their like philosophy, right? Mm. Especially Zemo. Zemo does it multiple times. And then in the second, is it the second to last episode? Truth, right? I think the best episode. Every single one of those characters, the Dora Milaje included, they kind of get to their, their closing arguments, right? There's a scene where they sort of get their final say before the big climax at the end and dramatically it's dramatized by them Hmm. being given a decision right so like carly has one last chance to turn aside from the path she's on before that last episode they're there in new york they're in the park they haven't done anything yet and she has one last chance there what's her uh is it her her australian friend who's sort of like working with with the criminals now right like it's one last chance and she makes the choice to stay the course and that's kind of her closing arms like she's made her choice about what her political point of view is what her action is going to be and this is her final closing argument zemo does the same thing at that memorial bucky gets his say when they're they're playing catch with the shield isaiah gets his say right when he talks to to sam like they all get their closing arguments and then sam at the end now with all you know having having seen all of this right now sam has to make a decision mm, like is he going to choose one of these points as you mentioned joey though which i didn't realize until you mentioned it he does kind of tell himself like no you can't you can't do that you can't just decide one of them is right you have to choose you have to choose your own path they can't tell you what story you're going to tell with your life right and what stories you're going to tell mm. with the shield and what meaning you're going to imbue the shield with by the way you use it right so yeah that's that that was interesting yeah. to me that they they dramatize it the way that yeah. the characters conflict Perfect. with each other 
right? Yeah, they're they're showing you an interpersonal representation of big abstract political right. stuff that would yeah. be very boring to just talk about, but it's very interesting. And not to take away from the Dora Milaje, because they, they are definitely a little bit outside of it, but I do think it's really interesting to me that the new Captain America suit is made in Wakanda. Remember, he, he asked them, he'd asked them for a favor to send in the suit. Yeah. So I do feel like, and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but I do feel like there's just a little bit there, like, hey, like Sam Wilson, you are a black man in America, right? And this is like a little, yeah. a little nod to your, yeah. your heritage as part of the African diaspora, Ooh. right? Like, so, you know, this uh, is and the also red, the white, shield, and blue. But the shield and the is also shield. made of vibranium. Yeah. So they're reinforcing that, right? And so yeah, well, okay, I think Africa, that's y'all. Yeah, that's a role that the Dora Milaje play though, is to be like. Because this is the thing about the Dora Milaje and Wakanda, which is that it's a dramatization of the concept of African-American identity and heritage, of all these people who are, whose heritage, whose histories were lost because they were enslaved. They've lost their languages. If you're African-American today, you may not know mm. even what country your ancestors came from, or it's probably multiple countries, right, through, through intermarriage and stuff. And so the Dora Milaje are like a sort of like, they become a symbol, right, that you mm. can use to actualize that. And I think their inclusion in this is very meaningful, not just as a plot point for Bucky, but as a symbol of that, like, that link, right? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. To me, Wakandans <laughs> represent what Africans could have been like if they were not colonized. The excellence of, yeah. Right, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. So I just had this thought yep. bomb with what you just said, so, yeah. but I don't think there's any explicit reference of how they got the vibranium to create steve's shield but i'm gonna just take a stab into the dark that it was taken oh it's totally stolen okay. howard stark right. howard stark Excellent. stole it or okay. got off the black so market let, or something let's go along with that let's <laughs> right. go along with he that must have. So it's a great area what was taken from wakanda is now this this symbol of mm. of captain america united states it's it's rooted in stealing, right? Yeah. Okay. Now we have mm. Sam's suit that was given. It was gifted by the Wakandans. Mm. Yeah. And so Gifting what freely, we have yeah. here, and this is how I interpret it, it's basically what was the historical sin of taking the vibranium is redeemed through the gifting of mm. the vibranium wings, you know? Maybe redeemed is not a good mm -hmm. word. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but it's almost, it offsets it because what the, what the Wakandans through the representation of the Dora Milaje is like, you asked us, you didn't take it from us, but like before, but you asked us, so we gift it to you. The, the story of the United States is, is reefed with, with baggage and darkness and shadow, but like what was said before, and I think Joey said, mm -hmm. like, you know, struggle with it, take ownership with it. And then what you said, Jordan, about the ideal, that the whole idea is that the best of America is what America could be. And then, like, Sam, because of right. the shield and his suit, is a representation of that. So yeah. the way I see it, this is the Christian concept of forgiveness, because in forgiving, yes, right. you are giving a gift forward to a person, right? Like the, it was a sin to take the vibranium to make the shield, but Wakanda is almost in a sense forgiving by giving this gift to Sam 
right? I don't think they're giving this suit to America. Sure. They're giving this suit <laughs> sure. to Sam. I think that's Sam true. Wilson. Yeah. Because he's worthy, you know? Yeah. My thoughts on, yeah, they gave it to Sam. Mm, okay. They gave it to Sam. They wouldn't have done that for just anybody, right? But that, that's kind of the point, too. Like, Carly spoke to Sam, right, when he was She wouldn't have spoken to U.S. agent. She wouldn't have spoken to the Winter Soldier, right? So, yeah, it's true that Sam is a good person and people like him and trust him which sounds like a really basic boring thing yeah. to say right but that's kind of the whole point of his character he's a good mm-hmm. person people like him people trust him and because of that he can do good in the world right if right. he were just powerful half the stuff he does in the show like he just he wouldn't be able to do because he wouldn't be able to win people over right and i think that's important is yeah we who should represent america well it should be this guy because this is the best of us right the wakandans aren't going to talk to like the the, uh, u.s agent i mean we saw right immediately it's like oil and water it's like "Ah, i'm i'm captain america (laughs) and spanked him honestly the door spanked oh my god and they take the shield right she does she does the captain america move by by stepping on it having it pop up right and grabbing it and then she holds it and she's like yeah and just gives it back like (laughs) yeah you can keep your toy your (laughs) it's almost like what can what has what has been given can be taken back and that's exactly yes. what they did to bucky's arm right yeah yeah these are gifts yeah. these are gifts. gifts can be taken back anytime wow. they're gifts and they're, oh, yeah. they're signs of trust i i do mm. wish they had spent a little more yeah. time on io and bucky yeah it was like they got this whole thing and when they're mm-hmm. on screen together i'm like i this is interesting i really really yeah. want to see more of this yeah, it's good and i that one one downside is there wasn't enough io she's been a really minor character right all along and in this yeah. in this show i'm like man i yeah this is they should build this out mm. i want to like it's been so long since we've seen yeah. wakanda in these all movies right. or these shows so. all right i'm gonna bring it okay jordan you talked about io i want to talk about io think about the import of what's happening there's a scene like five or six years ago Bucky is sitting at a campfire and Io is reciting the the Russian code words that would activate Winter Soldier, right? Right. And she says it and you see him reliving all the memories of what he had done as the Winter Soldier and he's like weeping, right? I I take these tears as uh, regret, maybe even a repentance of the sins of killing and assassinating people but also tears of like gratitude that he's, he's not going to turn into a killing machine again free. So there, it's a mixture, but think about the import of this. A black woman declares freedom over a white man. Right. Right. But historically yeah. it's the opposite, right? It's the, the white men who have enslaved black women. And it would never happen that a, a black woman would declare freedom over a white man. But this is exactly what she did. She does in my, in my, in my mind, the impossible. She, the, for me in America, black women represent the, the lowest of the low. Not only are they in black, but they're also women. So it's like an exponential amount of oppression. But the the oppressed recognizes that the oppressor is in a prison of his own. And she helps her oppressor Mm. to find freedom. 
And I just think that's mind boggling because even slavers are enslaved, you know? And I know that I'm messing around with like the, the symbolism a bit because Wakanda is not America and like in Wakanda, Io is, you know, like the top of the food chain, but, but hear me out about uh, American like sociology, right? Black women never have the chance to do this. And I think that, that to, I, they made this it's, so awesome. It's a role that would not exist for that actress. Right outside of something like this, right? It's it's funny. There's a it's one of those themes with with African Americans in American cinema where like it's so hard, and not just that. I mean, any person of color, it's so hard to get a really good role that isn't in like a struggle movie, right? <laughs> right. So like, yeah, like black actors can get all sorts of Academy Awards as long as they're in a movie about slavery where you know some white person saves them or something, and. It is interesting to me. I mean, this is the power of like, you know, comic books and what I would call a romance, which is like, you know, a storytelling that is a little bit above realistic, right? Where you can kind of create whatever imaginative space you want. And it's notable that Wakanda was not created by African writers, right? It was created in the United States by two Jewish guys, but it's taken hold. And I think a lot of that power just comes to the fact that it's, it's a sort of imaginative space where you can see potential. Right, where you can see where you can see things that America currently could not actualize. Right. Like there are all sorts of things that the United States of the past and even of the present would not enable, right? Yeah. For people who aren't privileged. Wakanda is a space that allows Americans, right, to mm. imagine all the things that they could do. Right. Mm. Yeah. And by doing that you also create the opportunity because it's it's you know, because of that imaginative space we now have these actual movies mm. where actual people get to play actual roles right that might not exist if it weren't for this sort of movie right? yeah it's a very unusual because yeah, you're right that's a scene that i have a hard time seeing happening in like any more realistic american film right and it's super interesting that i think that's why i want to see more io because i want to see more of that very unusual relationship something you do not see in yeah. cinema or the arts generally like this is this is a this is a, a black woman and a white man and they're on equal terms right and there's like a respect there right that is real and meaningful but also yeah. they're they're kind of on equal terms but in a yeah. way yeah she's kind of his mentor i guess in that respect and where else would you see that yeah. Where, where else do you see that in the United States today in, in the arts, in cinema, in like, it's so unique. What I admire her most is this virtue of uh, forgiveness in a sense. And, you know, like think about the, like in the black versus white, like racial tension that we have in America right now. It's easy to make, oh, well, the white people are the, the bad people or the black people are the black, bad, bad people. But dude, I just like how Io doesn't get petty, doesn't like just make Bucky the bad guy. She sees him as a person who has struggles and she helps him with, with those struggles, helps him see through the blindness and the fog. And she frees him from his own prison, you know, and so that he can be a better man so that he can finally help other people. And dude, if only we could do that in our nation here today. You know, like whoever we paint as the bad guy, can we rise above that and see that that they do these bad acts 
because they themselves are imprisoned, enslaved, and oppressed. Maybe they, because of their victimhood, they victimize other people. Yes, we have to stop that that cycle of victimization, but we also have to do it by recognizing that they're hurting too, and that if you can help them, maybe they can help other people. That's spot on. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's why stories are so powerful because uh, a good story will provide the challenge. Like, can we reflect this idea in our world? Can we bring that message into that world? That's the challenge. I'm not going to get into to politics on your podcast. Let's say that there's definitely political figures, right, that I have no empathy <laughs> for. I'm sure you can guess. And, you know, there there are, are plenty of, you know, maybe non-political, very rich people that I also have very little empathy for. But it's easy to look at it and say, yeah, these are the bad guys, mm. right? And we just need to, like, defeat them. I don't know I go so far as to say that, like, I'm sure there's some people who aren't hurting, but you still need to build a world where they are part of it. Like you can't just, you can't fall prey, right. To the absolutism, right. You need to have the imagination right, to see how we can all continue living right, in a shared Mm -hmm. world, because that's the only alternative to the kind of absolutism that you see with the characters in the show outside of Sam. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, you have to have that, that imagination. And if you can imagine it, and you can communicate that vision, yeah. that imaginative vision, right? right? That's the first step to making it actually happen. Right. You know, and yeah, that's, I mean, that's what these comic books have been trying to do for, for decades, right? Is showing these imaginative visions that are ridiculous, but like, here we are now, these are the yeah. tent poles of yeah. our, our popular culture. So yeah, in my, yeah. in my studies of social justice, even biblical yeah. justice, you have to have imagination. You have to be able to see a world that doesn't exist yet and to aspire towards it. And it's not a world that Zemo can imagine. He's like, Carly's a lost cause. You have to take her out. And then when Sam tries to reason with Carly, what does John Walker say? He says, what are you talking about? We're way past reasoning with Carly because he has no imagination either to to reason, to talk with Carly, there's no more talk. There's only fight, you know, because they lack imagination. They don't believe, oh, even the politicians, they can't imagine living with all the people who returned, you know, they can only imagine, well, they're in my home, so I'm going to kick them out, you know? And for, for me, you, the only way justice can come around is if you can imagine a better world and to imagine that we can do better. Yeah. And I think you mentioned earlier, Sam Wilson, right? He's like, everybody needs to have a seat at the table, right? He's always trying to deescalate, right? He's always trying to talk. And I mean, they don't really make it explicit, but I feel like obviously that kind of points back to this concept of like democracy, right? Where the people, if there are people in this world that are, yes, destructive, right? Well, you can live in a world of constant warfare, right? Or you can take seriously the concept of democracy. And that's not just like, I'm, you know, that's not just popular votes, right? There's more to democracy than just a vote. It's a social practice, right? But like, if you, if there's, again, if there are political figures that I think are not the right choices for our country, well, then I would say that they, I want to defeat them at the polls, right? Not, (laughs) not in a gunfight. It's the whole premise of democracy is that you have peaceful transfers of power because people Mm. aren't at war with each other, but that's a hard thing to do. Mm. And yes, there are people out there who are absolutists. They're not going to, they're not going to change their minds. right? Right. But you can't throw out the concept of having a stable society because of that. You have to sort of work through it. 
and sometimes it's impossible and sometimes maybe it, yeah sometimes it feels impossible and sometimes maybe it actually is right yeah. sam kind of grants that like you won't always succeed right but you have to keep trying if you give up then you never improve yeah. right and- you can't give up this is what you're saying right jordan you can't give up and i think that's what sam represents he's a person who hasn't lost hope and he won't give up and the last person that i want to bring up is sharon carter in my mind, Sharon Carter represents what Sam would have looked like if he had lost hope and just gave up. She tried to do the right thing. She tried to be, to do good, to back up the heroes. She disobeyed the government in, because of that. And they cast her out. And she became a criminal. And the criminal became a crime boss. And it makes me think, like, how many people out there are caught in a vicious cycle because they were wronged, you know? And they were so wronged that they gave up. They gave up hope. They gave up trying to be better. I think there's a lot of people out there who, they're not bad people, but they were forced to become bad, you know? And, and so to me, Sharon Carter is almost like the mirror image of Sam Wilson. That's interesting. I mean, I think it's, I mean, my, my perspective on like, yeah, when you've got people who sort of live outside of the law, so to bring up the law again, right? If there is a law that's established and enforced, and for whatever reason, you cannot live within it, then yeah, by definition, you become a criminal, regardless of, and you can try to like thread a needle, right? And like, try to be moral about it. But like, there are entire classes of people in the world who more or less by existing, right, are essentially part of a criminalized class, right? Mm-hmm. And this show, I mean, this show basically uses the uh, G, the GRC, right, to point that out. Like, all these people who need to be repatriated, right, mm-hmm. they will become criminals if they don't allow themselves to be repatriated. By simply mm-hmm. continuing to exist, they will become criminals, right? They have yeah. become criminalized. And Sharon Carter is similar. Like, what was she supposed to do if she can't live within the order, the established order, right, then she has to become a criminal. That's that's it. That's the only other option, you know? Right. And then it's just a question of how far down that path does she feel she has to go, right, or is, is willing to go. So. Yeah, tragic. And that's, that was one of the hardest parts of the show for me, is to see such a good person fall so hard. We can totally go on, you know? And, like, I was, I was is, just thinking, like, shucks. This uh, is a... If, yeah, if I perhaps right. Fun conversation, so, guys. I think fun, I think this is a uh, <laughs> this is a great place to this stop. Is good. But yeah. thank Perfect. you, Jordan, for joining us, and it was great, and we loved it. Thanks for yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. This was this was fun. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to be back, and we have a, a lot of other podcast episodes in store we have all of disney plus and everything that's coming out and as always we're going to come back and talk about the ways that we see god speaking to us through through these movies and shows so look forward to that stuff thanks again jordan thanks again simon and we'll catch up with the rest of you guys later